to our series, let's continue our series on what the Bible says. Uh, we're only going to be doing this just a couple more weeks uh, before we jump into a new series together. Uh, this is a series that we started a few weeks or a few, few months ago, uh, where people, you in the congregation, submit your questions, uh, what you'd like to see, uh, what the Scripture has to say about a variety of topics, and uh, we're continuing that tonight with the question that was submitted: What does it mean to fear? God. We hear that a lot as Christians. We should fear the Lord. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. What does it even mean? How do I know if I'm fearing God? And how do I know I'm, I, am, I am understanding that phrase in the correct way? And so we'll be looking at that together uh, tonight from the Word of God. Let's begin by just asking God to guide us as we look into His Word. Lord, we thank You for bringing us here tonight. We thank You so much for the gift of Your Son, for His death on the cross for us. That through the breaking of his body and the shedding of his blood, we have newness of life. That he endured the mockery and the shame for us. God, I pray that our lives would be characterized by gratitude for what you've done for us. Help us now as we look in your word and consider what it means to fear you, that you guide us and strengthen us in the task. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Do you fear God? Are you sure that you fear God? Because it's really, really important. If you don't fear God, you're way off track. There's some, there's some verses in Scripture that show us that the, the fear of God is like the most important thing. Here's, here's a couple of them. Proverbs 9, verse 10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. What's it saying? If you don't fear God, you can't be wise. Right? So you can say, I'm a wise person, I'm smart, I have insight. Well, if you don't fear the Lord, that's a lie. You can't have wisdom without the fear of God. Fear of God is really important. If you read through the book of Ecclesiastes, it ends this way. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Fearing God is at the very core, the very essence of what we are to be and do as believers. Deuteronomy 10, verse 12. Now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him and serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Even this last Wednesday, we were studying together in Psalm 147, and we read this phrase in that psalm, but the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him. The fear of God is really important. It's pretty clear you'll never fulfill your calling as a Christian if you do not have a fear of God. Now, why is this a question at the first place? Why is this a confusing thing for us to understand? Well, I think it's often because of the word fear. We use that word in so many different contexts and in so many different ways. And so we can't understand what fear of God is unless we, if we don't understand what fear is. Right? In one hand, in Scripture, we're told to not be afraid, to fear not. This is Christmas time, right? That's what the angel said to the shepherds in the field. Fear not. And yet we're told to fear the Lord. So what's going on here? In what sense are we to fear God? I want you to turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. We'll be, getting, we'll be reading together starting in verse 18. And I want to zero in on a really interesting verse that helps us determine what it means to fear God. And more specifically, what will that look like in our lives as Christians? Exodus chapter 20, verses 18 through 20. This is in the context of Mount Sinai. 
when the people are being given the law and God descends, his presence descends on the top of Mount Sinai and it's an intimidating and fearful sight. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 18, we read now, when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountains smoking, the people were afraid and trembled and they stood afar off and said to Moses, you speak to us and we'll listen. Do not let God speak to us, lest we die. Then Moses says these words, Do not fear, for God has come to test you, that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. So what is interesting about that verse? Well, we see fear used twice in different ways. Don't fear, because God has come to test you so that you may fear. All right? So what in the world is going on here? What, how do we distinguish these two? Well, there's, there's three observations I take from, from this, this simple verse. And there's a typo. It should say Exodus 20, 20. My apologies. First of all, fear of God is contrasted to emotional fright. See that? Don't fear. In the context, lightning, thundering, earthquakes, dark clouds descending on top of Mount Sinai. Don't be afraid. Don't have this emotional fright, this fearful response, because God's come to test you so that you may fear him. And so we can see, even in this contrast, there's a distinction between being afraid, trembling, and having a fear of God. But at the same time, fear of God is connected to seeing God's power and glory. That's why he comes down on the mountain. He has come to test you so that you may fear him. So this is part of his, him revealing himself. He wants to, you to fear him. And then thirdly, the fear of God produces a changed life. That the fear of him may be before you so that you may not sin. So there should be a result of fearing God. So if we're to sum up those three ideas into maybe one definition, we could say it this way. Fear of God is a settled disposition and a reverent awareness of God's glory that produces trust and obedience in your life. And we'll kind of pick that apart a little bit and see where we see that in our passage. I want to begin by talking about that reverent awareness. What does it mean to say we have a reverent awareness of God's glory. Well, in Exodus chapter 20, God shows up before his people so that they may fear him. He wanted his people to have an awareness of his power and glory. And so a fear of God is that awareness of how powerful and glorious God is. And if you have a full and clear picture of that, you can't help but have a healthy fear. Look at the spectacle that people saw in verse 18 of Exodus 20. They saw thunder and flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountains smoking and they were afraid and trembled. They stood far away. In fact, the sight was so fearful that they asked Moses, don't let God speak to us. You speak to us for him because if he utters his voice in front of us, we'll die. That's how fearful they were. Skip back a chapter to Exodus chapter 19. Exodus chapter 19, verse 16. This is when God first descends upon the mountain and Moses tells the people, wait, on the third day, the glory of God will descend down on the mountain. Exodus chapter 19, verse 16. Just imagine this image. Put your, I want you to put yourself in the shoes of the, or the sandals of the people of Israel. All right, Standing there at the foot of Mount Sinai, 
You've just been wandering through the wilderness and you've been given this warning. In three days, on the third day, the very glory of God is going to descend on the top of this mountain. So prepare yourselves. What would you be thinking? How would you be feeling? Would you be nervous? Would you be anticipating it? Would you be excited? Would you be scared? So here on verse, yeah, all of the above, right? Verse 16, on the, th- on the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain in a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire and the smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain trembled greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him in the thunder. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. Put yourself in their shoes. Imagine how frightful of a spectacle that would be. Smoke, lightning, thundering. This is an actual picture, by the way. It's a volcano erupting in a lightning storm. I'm not sure of all the science behind it, but this isn't necessarily what it looked like. But this kind of helps me imagine how fearful and how intimidating this sight would be. Imagine being at the foot of this mountain and knowing that this is the presence of God. And so you have the lightning, you have the thundering, you have the smoke, you have the fire. And on top of that, you have this ram's horn blasting louder and louder and louder and louder. All right? Now, would you be a little scared? I would be a little scared. All right? (laughs) All right. So, imagine experiencing that awe, that spectacle, you would have a reverent awareness of who he is, right? In that moment, you'd have no problem understanding what the fear of God is, because you would be experiencing it in that moment. You would have an awareness of his glory and his power. A fear of God, to live with the fear of God, is to have that awareness. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. Because we as Christians have our own Mount Sinai, so to speak. That should impact how we live as Christians. In Hebrews chapter 12, the author gives a contrast between Mount Sinai and a different mountain. And you're going to see similar language that we just saw in Exodus chapter 19 and 20. Look with me in Hebrews 12, verse 18. For you have not come to what may be touched... A blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. Moses himself was afraid. But you have come to Mount Zion to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to the innumerable angels and festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. There's a very different feel 
The first mountain, Mount Sinai, is intimidating and scary. Mount Zion sounds like a celebration. It sounds like magnifying the grace of Christ. But look at verse 25. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. At that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. And this phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, things that have been made, in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. And so it goes right back to that spectacle of his holiness and how we should respond to him with fear and awe and reverence because our God is holy and strong and powerful. Do you have a fear of God? Well, a fear of God, first of all, is a reverent awareness of who he is. And those who see God for who he is cannot walk away unchanged. We are impacted by the glory of God. Are you impacted? by the glory of God. But secondly, not only is the fear of God a reverent awareness of his glory, it's a settled disposition. Now, why make this point? Because here we see a distinction. If we go back to Exodus chapter 20, in verse 20, fear not, for God has come to test you that you may fear him. And so God commands them to stop fearing in one way so that they may start fearing in a different way. And so there's a distinction, because Israel saw all the glory of God, all the power and the majesty, but let me ask a question, did it stick? It didn't stick. How long did it last? About 40 days at, the, at tops. Moses goes up in the mountain, and they get impatient, and before you know it, they are worshiping a golden calf. There is a difference between having a fright of God and a fear of God. And this passage contrasts the fear they experienced at Mount Sinai with the fear of God that should govern their lives. And I believe what God was seeking to tell his people, that he wasn't looking for a relationship based on an emotional high or a frightful experience. He revealed himself so that it might produce a settled disposition, a mindset that would govern the lives of his people. You might say that Israel feared the presence, the holy presence of God, but they did not possess a fear of God. In the book of Deuteronomy, Moses, this is before they enter the promised land, Moses is reminding the children of Israel everything that's happened before. And he recounts again this episode on Mount Sinai. And Moses tells the people of Israel this, these words the Lord spoke to you, all your assembly, at the mountain, out of the midst of the fire, the cloud, and the thick darkness, with a loud voice, he added no more. And he wrote them on two tablets of stone and gave them to me. And as soon as you heard the voice out of the midst of darkness, while the mountain was burning with fire, you came near to me, all the heads of your tribes and your elders, and you said, Behold, the Lord our God has shown us his greatness and glory, and we have heard his voice out of the midst of the fire. 
This day we have seen God speak with man, and man still live. Now therefore, why should we die? For this great fire will consume us. If we hear the voice of our Lord any more, we shall die. For who is there of all flesh that has heard the voice of the living God speak out of the midst of the fire as we have and still live? Go near and hear all that the Lord our God will say, and speak to us all that the Lord our God will speak to you, and we will hear and we will do it. So in this moment of fright, they said, Moses, don't let him talk to us. You talk to us for him. But you go up, you get all the words that God has, bring it back. We will do it. We fear him. We reverence him. We worship him. We'll obey. The passage continues. The Lord heard your words. This is Moses speaking to the children of Israel. The Lord heard your words when you spoke to me. And the Lord said to me, listen to this. I have heard the words of this people, which they have spoken to you. They are right in all that they have spoken. Oh, that they had such a heart as this always, to fear me and to keep all my commandments, that it might go well with them and with their descendants forever. God tells Moses, you know what you're hearing from the children of Israel right now in this moment, this fearful moment when they're seeing my glory? They're right in what they're saying. They should respond with fear and obedience and reverence. Oh, would they have a heart like that all the time? Oh, that they would have a heart like this always to fear me and to keep my commandments. This is why I say that fear of God is a settled disposition. While they were afraid of God at Mount Sinai, they did not possess a true fear of God that would continue into the rest of their lives. And God saw their hearts in that moment on Mount Sinai and wished that they would have had that heart always. We learn from this that really an emotional experience does not produce a transformed heart. You cannot point back to a Mount Sinai moment necessarily and say that is what's going, that's what's going to carry me through for the rest of my life. No, it is, it is a settled disposition. It is, it's connected with seeing God's glory and magnifying Him and for who He is. But it's carrying that Mount Sinai mindset throughout all of your life. One that keeps the fear of God in front of you, never forgetting who he is. And so fear of God is a settled disposition that marks your life. It is your stance before God based on your knowledge of who he is. If you had, if we can call it this, a Mount Sinai mindset throughout each day of your life. That every decision you make, every choice, every desire was put in front of God's holiness and power and glory. How would that impact? How would that change your life? Because the problem is, the reason why we sin, the reason why we go our own way is because we forget God. We don't fear Him. Right? You remember when you were a little kid, and when your dad is standing right in front of you with that stern look on his face, you obey. But the moment he goes down the hallway or goes back into his room, take a couple seconds, and before you know it, you forget that your dad even exists, and you go right back to whatever devious thing you were doing. That's how we are with God, right? We, 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 we say we, we love him, and we fear him, and we reverence him, but we so easily forget. A fear of God is a settled disposition that does not easily forget who God is. Is. I love the words of Psalm 16, verse 8, where the psalmist says, I have set the Lord always before me. That's what the fear of God is. 
It's, it's setting the Lord always before you. It's living your life in the fear of God. This is not a life defined by one emotional moment, but one that lives in constant acknowledgement of God's glory. This is someone who fears God. To sustain this reverent awareness throughout your life. And so fear of God is a reverent awareness. It's a settled disposition that marks your life. And then thirdly, the fear of God is a changed life. Going back to Exodus chapter 20, verse 20, do not fear, for God has come to test you that you may fear, that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. What does the fear of God produce? It produces a changed life. Two things I think we see impacting our lives or resulting from a fear of God in our lives. First of all is trust. When you truly fear God, you trust God. Psalm 40 verse 3 says, He's put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Psalm 115 verse 11, You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. What are we saying? If fear of God is having a reverent awareness of who God is and seeing him in all his glory and all his majesty and all his power, then you know that he is a good and holy and loving God. In fact, we read in scripture that there is mercy with you that you may be feared. Even his mercy is to invoke a fear of God in our hearts. And as we see God and we have this reverent awareness of who he is, what does it produce? It produces a trust in God. And that's why those who fear the Lord do, don't have to fear. This is why when God shows up or he sends an angel, he always has to tell them, fear not. Because there's no reason to fear. There's no reason to be afraid. You're in the presence of a good and loving and faithful God. When you fear the Lord... You don't have to fear circumstances. You don't have to fear Satan. You don't have to fear other people. Jesus said, don't fear the ones who can kill the body, but fear him who can kill both body and soul in hell. It's the mindset that says, as we read in Romans, if God is for us, who can be against us? Do you have a trust in God? That comes from having a fear of God, a reverent awareness of who he is. And then, secondly, it produces obedience. Quite simply, if there is no obedience to God, there is no fear of God. And all throughout Scripture, fear of God and obedience are combined together. You often see them paired up. We saw this earlier in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments. Deuteronomy chapter 6, which is the Shema, the, the famous passage of scripture that, that is given to Israel. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may, number one, fear the Lord your God, you and your sons and your son's son, by keeping all the statutes and his commandments. In fact, those two aren't just paired up, they're connected, and one flows from the first. We fear God by keeping his commandments. We fear God by following God. 
Obedience is the means by which you fear the Lord. Obedience is what fear of God looks like. Right? If I were to ask you, do you fear God? I should be able to look at a life that is seeking to follow him. And if it's a life that's not seeking to follow him, I can pretty fairly say, well, you don't fear the Lord. You don't see him for who he is. You don't see his power and his glory. You don't see the grace of the cross. You don't see the sacrifice that Christ gave for you. Everything he went through to to die for you and to bleed for you and to be buried for you and raised for you so that you can walk in newness of life. You obviously don't have that fear of God. You don't see that. You haven't grasped that. And so you're living life for yourself. Fear of God says, if this is who God is, I must obey him. If you were standing at the foot of Mount Sinai and you saw all of the, all of the smoke and the thunder and the fire and the earthquake and the, and the trumpet blast growing louder and louder, what would you be thinking? I must submit to this God. I, he is God. I am not. All right, that's what we'd be thinking. Do we live like that? Do we live with that reality from day to day? For us as Christians, it's the same thing. When you look at the cross, and you see love and justice meet, and you see the Son of God hanging on a tree for your sins, do you look at that and say, I must follow this Christ. I have a fear of God. And it is only through a fear of God that you can be free from fear. That's exactly what we read in Exodus chapter 20. Fear not, because I want you to fear me. As you fear the Lord, fear of all else fades away. Do we fear the Lord? That's step number one as a Christian. Step number one as a follower of Christ. Without it, there will be no wisdom. Without it, there will be no obedience. Fear